0: Rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast.
1: Welcome back, Rise Up, Live Free listeners. This is a, I've been excited for this episode for a while. This is a few months in the making, Scott, right? Yeah, it has been. But we have a very special guest today. It is a, I'm titling this uh, episode, Scott, Scott Saunders, Cashflow Tactics, old gangster, uh, already up to 50 plus houses, making courses on his spare time, uh, traveling the world, sailing the world, being a, a huge leader inside Rise Up Mastermind. But welcome to the show, Scott.
2: Thank you, Jimmy. Great to be with you today. So
1: Scott, how long have you been inside the cash flow Tactics ecosphere?
2: I have been in CFT for about four years. Uh, I saw one of Ryan's old videos is how I got drawn in. And um, man, I, I watched Ryan and I, I'm in real estate. So I kind of know when people are selling BS and I just saw him as the real deal, you know, and, and I know you guys weren't as polished back then in terms of your approach, but Ryan seemed authentic, genuine, sincere and after four years, you know what Ryan is—he's authentic, genuine, the real deal. What you see is what you get. Same guy.
1: Now, is this old Ryan? Was this back in the back in the day wearing a
2: tie, Ryan? No, uh, it was no. I, I it wasn't. Okay. It was not Ryan back in the tie days. It was it was somewhere after that era. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And so,
1: yeah, you are in the real estate space, and you've been a tremendous asset to the community. But because you got you do all of our ten thirty ones, but you mind talking about kind of your background, your backstory, and what yeah, you did?
2: happy. Yeah, happy to do that. I stumbled into the 1031 industry way back in 1988. So got out of school with a busy econ background, wanted to learn about real estate. And a friend of a friend connected me with this little, kind of back then, it was this little offshoot industry called 1031 Exchanges. So I, I got involved with a little company, kind of grew up as the industry evolved, Um, Back then, exchanges were kind of a small thing. Today, they're pretty significant. Most people know about them, do them. So I've kind of grown up in that industry. I've just served as past president of the National Trade Association, do a lot of lobbying work back in D.C., trying to advocate with people in Congress, you know, of both parties. Why 1031 exchanges, why stimulating real estate investment is good for the economy, how it creates jobs and allows capital to transfer back and forth. So that's what I've done professionally, Uh, moved from California, uh, Santa Barbara, California to Colorado. So I'm in Monument, Colorado, kind of up at about 7,200 feet up in the mountains, not quite as pretty as the picture behind me, but uh, still kind of a cool area to live in. And uh, love the state and love doing outdoor activities with my kids. So you mentioned we we do travel. We just got back from swimming with whale sharks down in Mexico. And uh, month after next, we're going to no uh, next month, we're going to uh, Iceland, going to do some hiking. And yeah, love travel. And I'll tell you what, cash flow tactics. I mean, if I were to just do a little shout out, I do more of that. I used to always do that stuff, but I'm doing more and more of it. Uh, With kind of the teaching of CFT of of living your life now the way you want to live it, rather than waiting for some future self to do it. That's
1: awesome. And like, uh, you know, you're always posting pics. We love seeing the pics. Uh, Your big goal. Did you already do this yet? But your big goal is to sail the Mediterranean in a yacht,
2: right? That is my goal, Jimmy. <laughs> that is my goal. actually not sail. I want a, I want a power boat um okay and, and I've been I've been like zeroed down. I've had two brands like I want to but get myself a boat for a couple of years and uh, play around and do that maybe make it a little business on the side and lease it out so it's a uh, not costing me much money but that's the goal. That's awesome And then
1: I should probably say this to the end of the podcast but uh how, how close when do you think you're gonna hit that target?
2: oh that's a good question <laughs> um probably within a few years it's not that far out so awesome uh, yeah it's coming up it's coming up soon so when you first came to the group I just remember you just started bl- blasting
1: me with emails with some really intelligent stuff that i I was so frustrated watching it I wasn't able to action but you so you I forget how exactly it happened, but you you were invested in a lot of stuff, and then you did a complete pivot into single-family turnkeys, right?
2: Correct, correct. Yeah, once, once I started seeing the message and kind of understanding the simplicity of it, you know, I think some of us that have a finance background, we, we think diversification and make it more and more complex and add this layer and add that layer. I, I think the more that I kind of got up to speed and seeing... Getting really good at a niche and focusing in on that and just doing a rinse and repeat, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And sometimes, as finance people that are, you know, I'm kind of a busy con background finance, we like to make it complicated and have all these different plates spinning around. And I'm not sure that's the most efficient way to go. It, it might be good for, you know, bragging rights to be a little this and a little that. But if you really want to make progress, sometimes it's good to go all in with one strategy. And so what were what were you invested in uh, before you came to cash flow tactics? Well, the usual things. I mean, I've done reg D offerings, so I've done energy investments as an accredited investor. I've done stocks, bonds, I've done real estate. So I mean, I've I've actually been involved with real estate for probably about 20 years. Um but it was more some- commercial and syndications um syndications uh, i had my own multifamily and then i I'd, I'd actually kind of build up a little portfolio of my own properties that uh right before the you know kind of the market peaked back in 07 08 and then did the big fall off the cliff gotcha so uh, yeah so the
1: the 08 experience did it did it just kind of uh, did it hurt you bad or kind of hurt you
2: oh my gosh <laughs> i don't know if i've ever heard this story ah oh. It, uh, it was very humbling, Jimmy. So, uh, you know, I work in real estate. So prefe- I had a lot invested invest in real estate personally, never lost any of my own properties. I was able to hang on. But I went from doing, let's say, a really nice income, let's say a seven figure plus income, right? Yeah. To at the bottom, when it troughed out, I, I was making like 80 grand a year. So I mean, you go from a big number to a really low number. It's pretty humbling. Um, so,
1: but that was your active income,
2: not your investment. That was my active. In, that was my active income, right? Because
1: nobody was making profits, so no one could do a ten
2: thirty one. No, no one was doing ten thirty ones. It was, I'd never seen like we we were out there trying to hustle. I was trying to do ten thirty ones on um, conserva- well conservation easements, perpetual easements, cell towers collectible cars, collectible art. Like I was just looking for a deal out there any way I could do a deal. It was crazy. I, you, When you go from the phone blowing up to the phone never yeah. ringing all day, it, it's a pretty humbling experience. I can imagine.
1: So what would you say, uh, what were your lessons learned through that experience? And, um, you know, why, what'd you walk away with?
2: Yeah. You know, one thing I would say for sure is you, you've got to develop other sources of income Besides your primary, if you're working in a job and that's where everything's going, no matter how great it's going, you've got to take that opportunity, take that capital and shove it over into income generating assets, whether, whether you're buying assets, you know, real estate, single family residential, which is kind of the niche that I like, or you buy businesses, but you've got to build other income streams when times are good because times go up and down and you got to plan ahead for that for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then your investments in 08,
1: you just, they, obviously you didn't get crushed. You didn't lose any, you didn't lose any of the
2: houses. It just kind of slowed down. Um, I didn't lose anything, uh, but I will tell you, I used to tell my kids when I go to school, we live in a pretty affluent area and I drive in there with my BMW that was about 20 years old with the paint fading on it. I'm like, God, you know your dad's got the junkiest car here. everybody in your high school has a nicer car than your dad right now. I go, but I still own my real estate, you know, and I'm gonna hang <laughs> on and i'm I know where I know I know what I'm hanging on to, and I'm glad I did so um yeah, it was uh it was good times i't I don't, i do not really want to go through another one of those. Gotcha. <laughs> avoid it,
1: and so all right, so I'm assuming around twelve and thirteen the the ten thirty one game was back, right
2: you yeah, starting to. Picked up kind of slowly, kind of slowly, right? The downturn was a big drop off a cliff and it just kind of slowly, pretty much like the market. If you look at the chart of the market coming back, the market came back and then the 1031 industry lagged by about three to four years because you buy an asset, but you'd have to have some gain in it. So the people that bought at the trough, it would still take a few years of the the market going up before they needed to do a 1031 exchange. Do you think we should back up for a second, explain to if new
1: people what a 1031 exchange is? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. So all I'll right. give you the meathead version of what I think I understand it to be because I've done okay. a couple with you. Uh, you actually did 1031 for my family. Uh, yeah. But it is, uh, basically, you do this 1031 thing, you send all the paperwork to Scott's company and whatever profits you make in a deal, as long as you find another like-kind asset,
2: then you don't pay taxes right away on that. Uh, Yep, that's a pretty good explanation. I'll give you kind of my version of it. It's a provision that's been in the tax code for over a hundred years that allows you to defer paying your capital gain taxes. So as long as you set up an exchange before you close, you reinvest your equity and your debt and you buy another like-kind property and you can do that over and over and over again. So it is, you know, for those of us in real estate, it is one of the most powerful tools to not pay Uncle Sam when you dispose of something, but now you redeploy it. So you sell one and you redeploy it into multiple properties and you do it over and over and over and you can do it throughout. Like I'll never sell, Jimmy. I'll just exchange or own. I'll never pay my taxes and I'll pass on, Millions of dollars of real estate to my kids, and they'll get a full step up in basis. They'll avoid paying capital gain taxes too. So it's a I, sweet deal. It's awesome. I, I just I don't get it. I don't know why everybody's not in real estate. I don't
1: understand it. Like no other ass. There's other asset classes you can do that in, but they're not. Don't have all the other advantages. But you can't do that with stocks, right? Nope,
2: you can't do it with stocks. No, and not and even with real estate, Jimmy. Think about it. You know, you do single family. I do single family. Single family is the gateway. I, I think it's a great asset class on its own. But if you want to bump into commercial down the road, yep. you start by redeploying your single family, and what do you do? You pick up a fourplex and an eightplex, and you know you, you kind of work your way up the ladder. But ten thirty ones are almost the, they're the gateway to the commercial market, or you stay in residential and just keep growing a portfolio. I was at I was at uh, Mark Delatour's lake house this weekend, and he had he had done
1: just that with ten thirty ones. He 1031 at a rental into a a house on the lake. And then, you know, the market takeoff with the last couple of years, he then sold his current lake house and 1031 to new, new lake house. And his, his debt from the original house is minimal. And he just keeps rolling those profits into another item. It's magical.
2: Yeah, it it is magical. It is magical.
1: Okay. So, you show you see Ryan on a video what like around 2018 2019? Yeah, right around then. Okay. And then you're like, all right, I'm going hardcore into single
2: family. And then tell us what happened after that. <laughs> well, I started by I started buying single family. I actually took my other investments, went all the cash. So, you know the market gyrates up and down, I don't care. It it just kind of sits there. And I think in the first year, I want to say I maybe scooped up eight or nine properties the first year. So it was a good year. Second year, probably like eight, nine, 10 properties. Um, Last year, I I turned it up a little bit more, turned on the afterburners. Um, I looked at it. I'm doing a summary for my CPA, but I did 43 transactions last year. So 29 29 acquisitions, a couple dispositions, some refis, and then a couple that I went under contract on that ended up walking from but i mean that was a busy year i was doing deals all year long it was fun
1: nice that's and so you know something probably happened to you around the house eight or nine when when did you actually start trusting it and say hey this is what i'm going into really hardcore
2: um That's a great question. I I don't know if there was this particular time. It's just that I I could see it. I could run the math out. You know, you can make a little bit on one deal and a little bit more on the next one. And it, it's easy and predictable. Um, I've always been kind of a more of a base hit guy than a big home run, you know, just in terms of my style. So even like my past real estate, I had chances to do big home run stuff. And I always kind of preferred the base hits, which I think it served me well. Um, so I just was, just became comfortable and it just became a game, right? It, everybody kind of looks at it like, oh, how do you add one and two? And you, you know this probably even better than I do, but at a certain point, it's just math, right? It's just numbers. Like, yeah. you know, I have a spreadsheet. It, they're just, it's this big portfolio and you look at the, kind of the end result of the bottom line of what the portfolio is doing. And you're like, well, this is cool. Let me dump some more assets into the portfolio and get better returns on the whole aggregate amount. Well,
1: it's, I call it when you reach that snowball point, that magical snowball point, you know, it, it happens in certain ways, whether you've got enough equity in your houses that you can now do a line of credit and buy your next house, or you're kicking off enough cash flow that eventually your cash flow pays for the down payment for your next house. But it, uh, eventually it just takes on a life of its own.
2: Right, absolutely. Or you can do the cash out refi. I had some of mine that I owned years ago. That when the rates were low, I'd harvest the equity, take the money out, and go out and buy several more. So that's another way to kind of use the portfolio momentum to finance new purchases. And I the the
1: cash out refi, like you know, we did a big call on it last week. But it's just this. It's not. It's not that well understood. But it's the absolute magic of owning a, a portfolio.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Where else can you do that, Jimmy? Think about it. Where else can you pull money out of an asset? Like do you tax want to
1: know
2: consumers? why? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And do you want to know why I've really never liked syndications? Why? Lack of control. Like, let's do you, and then this question comes up all the time in cash flow tactics, but people like, should I partner with deals? And like, I've always felt that single families are too small of an asset
2: to need partners. I would agree. I would agree with you. It's not that hard with the types of assets that you've got in your marketplace there, you know, look at what a hundred grand on the low end to 200 ish, give or take. Yeah. You can get into those. Everybody can take down one of those. That's you can save up the money. You can do it. You don't need to have the hassle of partners and all that. I don't, but I then, agree with you. it's really when the snowball starts
1: moving. Like when I want to take a line of credit, I don't want to call my partner. I just want to take a line of credit when I want to dispose of an asset. So I, I still own a few houses with my, my mom and brother and like, I love them to pieces, but I just let my brother run it because I'm just like, the, to have the conversation about such
2: a small asset of what to do with it annoys me. <laughs> I can see that. You know what I mean? I, no, I can see that. All mine, I mean, I haven't partnered up on anything. You know, the, the only time I could see doing it, I could see a commercial deal down the road where it makes sense. To do that. Well, but commercial on deals, fund. commercial deals, I'd argue you have to partner because it's too big. Right, right. And Absolutely. then
1: even the expert, like we do some syndications with uh, Kahuna in CG, but he's the expert in this, but he, it, he can't take all the equity. He has to shop equity out to do a deal. Wow. <laughs> and no, I just, because here, if you're wealthy enough to do a, a syndication on your own, one, you won't, because there's too much advantage. You want to spread the risk. Right. But it just, I, I've never wanted to do big multifamily deals because I, I don't want to deal with the bankers and I don't want to have to deal with partners. Yeah, no, I'm right, I'm right there, right there with you on that. And if you're a passive investor, the
2: only way you're going to get control is single family. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think that point of control is a big one. I mean, you've owned yours for a while. I just took one of mine and upgraded a kitchen. You know, it was was the white appliances, tenant tore it up. So I put in stainless appliances, put some LVB plank down, spruced it up, jacked up the rent 400 bucks. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, that that's what you can do. You can make the decision. Do I want to make a little investment? And am I going to get more out of it? You can't do that when you don't control the asset. You don't have any. You don't have any levers to pull, right? And there's right. nothing to work with. And so you've created a lot of
1: value for other people in CFT. Like I, you're not watching on your phone right now, are you? No, but but the phone is blowing up. You know, Scott's from Preston Gale. Scott and Saunders, the man, the myth, the legend. You're very well liked, well loved in the group, right? And I think part of it is because you give a lot. But the big thing you give is advice. And you actually give a lot of people real estate therapy, like chill out. (laughs) So if you were, and you've given me great advice on how to sell these, like the best thing you've told me the last six months is, hey, Jimmy, you either sell somebody one house, or you sell them five, or you either sell them five houses, or you don't sell them any houses, because it's just not worth it. Right. And then so uh, kind of explain your logic on that from the from the investor perspective.
2: From so what what do you want to explain the the thing you were talking about or more in general with like kind of getting going in the whole buying single family homes.
1: Let's start with what I was talking about, and then we'll go into more in general. But so you would say from a seller and a buyer, either do five or don't do anything at all. Like why
2: why is that? Because it's you want to scale. You want you want to take advantage of your time. You want to scale, and you also want a relationship, right? So if you're working with somebody. When you've got a relationship and you're taking down five assets, you're doing everything as a package. The other thing you're also doing, you're combining your loans. When I buy assets now, a lot of times I'll buy a group. I'll do one loan secured by multiple assets out there. It's easier for me. When I, I mean, last year I had forty some deals, too many loans. I was going like, I mean, but a, a bunch of those were. To do, but in like, your
1: first year to buy ten in a year, it's a part-time
2: job. Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> well, here's what it is. It, it, it takes focus. If you want it, you know, as you say a part-time job, I guess, let me clarify that a little bit. It takes time and effort, but if you want to go somewhere, if you want to accomplish something, then you got to step up and put the time in, right? I'd go to work. I would come home at the night. I work for an hour or two doing loan things. Now it gets easier and streamlined. So, I mean, it, it gets easy. I've got commercial lenders now that I work with and I'll send them an email at midnight saying i'm buying these properties i fill out their little spreadsheet so it's actually faster for me now on some of my commercial relationships because i've got they know me and i know them they have all my financials and so i just add an asset follow their process it's actually easier for me to do commercial commercial loans than it is to do the you know everybody's favorite fannie freddie
0: loans. let yeah
1: let me for those of you who are new so when we say get into flow tactics, you start with your 10 conventional loans, right? right? And everybody's question is then, what about after 10? And like we take a lot of time getting people to after 10, but like I'm with you. I do commercial lending because I don't want the headache of Fannie and Freddie. And right now, commercial loans, the interest rates are so much better.
2: Yeah, they are. It's so one thing I'll point out, Jimmy, I stopped at nine properties. So I had nine investment and I had a home. Yep. I stopped because that fear factor, like, oh, it's this whole different world. Once you just step up and figure out, you just do a few little things. Interest rate might be a touch different, you know, whatever it is. It's not that big of a deal. And I now find the commercial side so much easier. So I would say everybody's kind of on the fence when you're looking at it going, well, what do I do when I get through my 10 or my 20, depending on whether you're married or not, it's actually easier. So all I'd say is just step in, like lean into it go through that, go through the first process. And after you're a few loans into it, there, there are a lot of people in the group that are doing them now. Yeah. They're, a piece of, they're a piece of cake over time. They're actually, and I got a great relationship now where my lender will actually reach out to me. You know, they'll, hey, what's going on? You got anything in the works? Like, I'm not calling them saying I need a loan. They're like, hey, what's, what's you got anything going on? I haven't heard from you for a couple of months. So it's it's a great relationship now. And then, you know, Brad and I, you know, we don't
1: see eye to eye on this one. And I like it that all three of us always have different perspectives. But like the other thing I love about my commercial loans, I put them on, I don't necessarily, I have to buy rentals for taxes, not necessarily cash flow, right? Right. And I love it that they're on 15 year amorts and I bought most of them in 2016. It's, so I'm like six years into that amort and like you really start to see the
2: equity build. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'd be honest, my portfolio's got a little bit. I've got some 15 year loans in there. I've got, you know, a fair amount of 30. I'm open to doing a 40 year loan, you know, or two. I, I do a few of those. Um, yeah. So as you grow a portfolio, you find not everything fits that cookie cutter, 30 year fixed. You know, you might have that as kind of the base, that's your foundation. And then yeah, as you I grow, do. you scale a little bit.
1: Yeah. I do think you should do your base. Cause so, the advantage of that 30-year fixed loan is you're well-protected, and so you get these loans where you're really well-protected as you're learning, and then do just what you said, the, like 10, 11, 12, maybe do a commercial loan, continue to learn, because when you first start, I don't think you're sophisticated enough to do a commercial loan.
2: Right. I would, I would agree. I would agree. And
1: so it's like these commercial loans are great training wheels.
2: Yep, Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's cool about the group is I think there are enough people now that have kind of stepped over and they're do, they're scaling, they're doing you know 15, 20, 30 plus. there are people in that group that are doing that. So what's great about our community is we've got a bunch of people that are all kind of running the same race together and we talk to one another, right? We're, we'll, we'll do little messages, we'll, we'll call each other. Hey, what do you have? what's going? On? So it's, it's great that we've got a little network here. Where we share ideas and contacts and leads. Cause I know my lender, I you know there are other people that have used it. And Jimmy, I, I've talked to you about lenders. We we all yep. kind of talk and share things. And so we're a little stronger as a group because of that. Or a lot stronger. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And then, you know, I'm with some vendors,
1: I'm able to negotiate better stuff and say, hey, I got a whole group coming in. What do you what can you do for us? Absolutely. So if you were to let's say, let's say I'm Jimmy and I just Saw so Ryan on a webinar, and I'm all excited to get involved in cash flow tax, start buying real estate, and then I see you. What are you know? What are the three
2: things you're going to tell me to do? Uh, three things. W- Number one, um, write down a goal. Write down a target. Get a target of what you're going to do. Put a ninety. Oh uh, wait, target. Scott,
1: I don't care about targets. I just want to buy real estate.
2: Why are you giving yeah. me this foo foo mumbo jumbo? All right, all right, Jimmy. You set me up there, man. You set me up. Are right, you got I'll tell you the truth. I went fast cuz I had targets. I look at my targets all the freaking time. I actually I had some You got just, toilet just, targets. I have toilet targets. I I had somebody just this week and tell me that I am obsessed with my my goals. They're like I've never seen it but I like I write them down and I don't hit them all, right? Like I'm I'm behind on a few goals, but do you think there's any way on planet earth i'd be really considering buying some ridiculous good-sized yacht you know like i'm, I'm talking like a 90-foot yacht that has boats and toys on it right like yeah i'd be able to do that working my little white collar job and doing what i not a chance right because i set some goals of like what do i want to do um number so number one well wait, wait before,
1: let, explain to people what toilet targets are
2: <laughs> all right so um when I do, when I do my targets, I put them everywhere. So I look at them in the morning what I've done in my, two of my bathrooms in my bathroom and in the powder room or my lower one, I put my goals up right in front of me. Like you've got to see them daily in my office. When I walk in right next to my computer are my, are my targets, when I do my garage door opener, my house right next to my garage garage door opener, my targets, like literally I've got them in different places where I'm always looking at them. And and I'll tell you what, sometimes I'm like, dang, I'm behind, right? I'm not where I want to be. I'm not hitting everything. But the flip side is, I don't think I would have started grabbing assets as ferociously if I didn't set some kind of ambitious targets and then say, okay, this three months, I'm going to knock out this and the next three months is that. So back to your question, you have three things. Number one, set a target. So target number one, buy your first single family rental, super easy, buy a home, go through the process. Um, Number two, start thinking and serious about how you're going to get capital. So if you want to jump in and move forward with real estate, step up to the plate and make it happen. Look at the stuff you can dump in your house, right? You got an extra car or boat you're not using, or if you're a hunter and you got a bunch of guns, sell stuff for cash, look around what you can do to get some cash coming in, right? To build the down payments get creative you know figure out how you can do that maybe you got a an asset you can sell if you've you know invested well, or you even got some savings. a lot of people have liquidated um retirement accounts right absolutely absolutely i yeah i pulled 100k out when we could do that with the the covid relief you know i pulled a chunk out of it i am that I'm was different. awesome what yeah the jailbreak days jailbreak's a great way to go but Don't make an excuse, like look at what you can do. Um, You know, I will tell you there there are choices I make. I I drive my cars forever. Like my last car was 20. I probably put 300,000 miles on most of my cars. That's what I do. So I love cars, but I don't upgrade to a new car. It gives me cash to be able to go out and do stuff. So that would be number two would be raise the cash. And number three, probably the most important would be consume all the content you can, right? There's so many great videos in CFT, from you know how to build a vault to how to analyze property. I mean, if you look at it, there's hundreds of videos. I don't know of any other place that has that much information and people talking and sharing ideas. So like, jump in, power up, put some coffee on, drink your diet coke, whatever your <laughs> beverage choice, whatever your beverage choice is, and like, power through those videos and take copious notes. Um, you know, scribble down notes, and that'll that'll just increase your financial education so much. Awesome. And- and then the other thing, like, I, you know, I've always loved selling houses to you.
1: Like, here is my belief that there's, it's called real estate karma. And it's like, those who complain about the little things get big things that happen to them. Right. <laughs> yeah. But like, I've sent you like a $300 maintenance bill. You're like, thanks bro. Right. And right. then nothing at knock on wood, not a lot of bad things happen to your houses. Right. But now people complain about a $50 bill. Like next thing you know, there's some tenant tearing their stuff apart. So it's like those who care about cash flow most get the least of it. And those who care the least get the most of it. It's like this weird real estate karma.
2: Yeah, it, it is. I think people will be, maybe walk in with unrealistic expectations, right? They think uh, they think you buy a house and every month it's going to flow with this nice number. You're buying an asset and stuff comes and goes. You got to do tenant turns you, you, you got to look at this as a business, right? You're going to have some costs. It's just the way it is. So, you know, suck it up and don't sweat the cost because the long-term you're winning. You're winning on your cash flow. You're going to win on the appreciation. You're paying down your loan. You've got all four pillars working for you, but you can't get all wrapped up in a ball about, oh, I got this. And, you know, I got a little thing I got to fit. I mean, I just had a AC unit stolen, you know, $3,500 AC unit.
1: What? An AC unit stolen?
2: What? Yeah. There wasn't somebody guarding that 24 7. How does that happen, Scott? I don't know. You know, now you know what's funny, Jimmy? You know what's happened about it? So my, I had a few AC units stolen a few years ago. So yeah. then I caged everything and I thought I was yeah. on top of it. I'm like, put a cage. They ripped through the cage on this one. Like the cage was on it and they broke the things and they ripped it out. I'm like, gosh. But here's the deal. Well, at least like, it's an ambitious thief. I get annoyed at the lazy ones. Yeah, it makes me feel a lot better about it. But here's the deal. I was talking about the unit. So it cost me 3,500 bucks. I bought that asset for 106. Today, it's worth about 170. So take out the 3,500. That's in two years, right? That I had to pay. And I got the cash flow from it. And it rents for hundreds more than what I bought it. Am I ahead? Like I'm way ahead. So it's like, You got to look, the way you got to do is so you got to look down the field. You got to take a long range view. Uh, Years ago, I did high performance driving. I've kind of got the Brad instinct where I I got a lead foot. And so I went down and learned how to do Grand Prix racing, like Formula One racing, like how to drive a race car. And to drive a race car, you can't look ahead of you. You got to use your peripheral vision and your eyes will follow wherever your eyes are going the car will follow but you got to look way down the road when you're going 100 plus miles an hour same thing with real estate you got to lift up your eyes look way down the look way down the road and don't worry about the little stuff in front of you you got to you got to be thinking long term i uh, i
1: heard Nassim Taleb on Econ Talk i listened to that this morning and so Nassim Taleb he's a a hero in cash flow tactics but he used to be a trader and he said if people looked at their daily PL or even their quarterly PL, they'll go insane because you're trading. You're always up, you're always down. What you have to look at is your lifetime PL and make decisions based off your lifetime PL. That's that's why I, that dude is so wise. <laughs> I, I'll send you the link to that podcast. It was really good. But I'll not as good it. as this podcast, Scott. <laughs> We're just
2: keeping it real.
1: Yeah. So let's, let's transition into kind of a passion project for the both of us that we're trying to still figure out. Because I, uh, actually, before I transition to that, I want to talk about,
2: um, like, I am very happy for you, but you just launched your own course, right? I did. I did. Uh, yeah, it actually came out of the, kind of really took, uh, took life at the mastermind that we had just a couple months ago back in St. Louis. Uh, I've been wanting to do it and actually started doing it. And so we were at a mastermind meeting and I was kind of what, maybe kind of near the end of the day, you know, so everybody's kind of a little more tired. We've been doing it all day long, lots of good energy, great ideas, people giving stuff. And so I got up and I kind of shared that I had this course idea and, and, and I've really winged it on the whole course. To be honest, I didn't like sit down methodically. I just said, what did I do to do to buy my properties? What are the things you need to know tax wise? And I just just, it's my own experience. So it's super easy. Well, at the mastermind, you were there, Jimmy, in the room. And uh, I loved it. This was awesome. This this was pretty cool. So, I, and I don't think this, this never would have happened outside of a mastermind setting. So, no way. We're in a room and I'm laying it out there. And from the back of the room, Brad goes, he goes, Well, Scott, and he goes, uh, I'll bet you a thousand bucks, you know, can you have this done by July 4th, which is maybe seven, eight weeks out? thousand bucks right It had me throw down in front of everybody well I don't like to lose any time right I, I'll take a challenge and so I stepped up with that and said, all right you're on and I got I just got the course done a few days before July 4th there's no awesome. way I would have there's no way I would have probably powered through it with as much passion and like you know, I was working weekends recording stuff never would have happened if it wasn't for that mastermind
1: for that you know not all peer pressure is bad.
2: No, Especially not when it all. comes from accountability. Not not at all. Well, you know what? I don't know if you know that somebody else in the group actually is helping with the course. So one of the people in CFT does professional courses. So they came and approached me. We talked. I hired them. So they're doing the backside. I got the challenge from Brad. I had my material. And then they're doing kind of the, the electronic, the implementation side of it. So I actually pulled a, a great relationship out of the group as well. Not, so who is the course that, who is the course for? The the course right now is for people that want to know how to buy real estate and then how to scale and grow to 50 or more properties. So it's nice. really from A get in and then how do you grow it and really scale it up.
1: Awesome. And so how does somebody go about finding it?
2: Uh, they would go to they go to my uh, my URL to find that. So scottrsanders.com artsaunders.com all right okay. so if you
1: guys if you guys want to so cash flow tactics we can teach you how to do it comprehensive comprehensively amongst everything but really scale down to zero to 50 as fast as you can because we have to teach such a broad base right but you if this is your goal I would say that's a phenomenal resource and course.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's all on real estate. So CFT teaches a lot more than just the real estate's one tool, right? There's a whole bunch of other tools and tactics. That's just one narrow channel that I kind of said, okay, here's here's how to grow in this one little area outside of all the other things that are out there. Awesome. Well,
1: I I'm happy for you, Scott. I was in the room. I love it when people respond to a challenge. Uh, even though it's funny when they don't and they have to pay the price, but it's much more fun to watch people succeed. So I'm very <laughs> happy for you. Uh, but yeah. let's finish this podcast out with kind of a passion that both of us have. And that is teaching. I don't even know what to call it. Teaching the value of capitalism, to young people teaching. Cause here's what I believe. Like I got to 28 and I got, you know, I, my, you know, our generation, I think we were lied to in the myth of the middle class that you can go to school, work hard, um, and then save in a qualified plan for 40 years, and then you're on easy street. Like that, a complete falsehood. I uh when I got out of the, the military, I was a little salty and not trusting anything. But like every generation, I would say has uh, is taught some very good things and every generation is taught some very bad things. And I would say our generation got wrapped in the myth of the middle class. I'd yeah. say, you know, we've done a good job of escaping it. But these kids today getting indoctrinated by, I'll just say it, Marxist. like I always could sense, like, and it, you know, I went to the military academy. It wasn't exactly a rebel, but I could always sense when someone was full of crap, And I don't see this out of these kids today. Like, where's your like, a little bit of rebelliousness, a little bit of like, don't listen to everything some woke teacher tells you. Like, what's going on there? And then how can we fight that?
2: Yeah, boy, it's a passion project of mine. So I, Jimmy, and it's nothing about CFT, but I was super involved and been involved with education. So I was in president of my kids uh, charter school and on the board i kind of do things locally education is so critical right i mean you the and right, i learned well
1: the right education the stuff that actually works in the real world is important
2: but so yeah, not the theory not not the professors yeah not the stuff taught by professors that have all these great ideas but what, what real practical stuff it's not yes. taught as much anymore and um no boy i look i look at the generation coming up and thinking Wow, we really have our work cut out for us to really show them potential, show them opportunities. They tend to get squished in and homogenized, right? A lot of things have, technology does that, right? We, we teach kids to be STEM certified and know your PowerPoint and your Excel and your Microsoft Word, but we're not great about teaching the kids about you know being really good at that lemonade stand or being really good at the plays or good sports. All are these even, different things. Are the glory, you know, how
1: about trade and that, you know, you have certain talents and gifts, I have certain talents and gifts and we are, I'm not good at what you're good at and vice versa, but we trade together and that creates relationships. And that's, you know, that's called capitalism. And it's taken, you know, you've seen the hockey stick graph of uh, global GDP since 1776, right? Yep. It's flatlined for 1700 years. Then you give individuals a little piece of freedom, and human productivity explodes—not just rises literally explodes exponentially—and that is not being taught anywhere.
2: Now you're you're absolutely right. What well, you said, so okay, Jimmy, right? We we exchange. You take what you're good at, and I get better off because I give you what I'm good at, and vice versa, and we exchange something. And combined, we're in a much better thing. And unfortunately, education today has got some other agendas that don't teach any of that and and are really setting up the next generation to be uh, not successful, kind of down and depressed. Um, It's it's not a pretty sight for a lot of these kids, what they're learning and what they're being taught. It doesn't position them. They don't see the world with unlimited opportunity. I don't see. Which is insane.
1: It's 2022. And there is everything so easy.
2: Right. How can you not see opportunity everywhere? Th- think about it. You, these little devices, right? They right. Much power on here as they had on rocket ships 30 years ago. And this little device, we can, we can learn anything we want by listening to any podcast anywhere in the world at any time on this little thing. Just for example, right? There's, there's everything's open, but man, I, I just would love to see... kids getting more instruction more more hope more of a path on that and and i think there's a i think there's a need out there for it so somewhere down the road probably not too far down the road that's that's what i want to kind of step into personally would be to be a catalyst to do that in a constructive way i'm not sure exactly what that looks like um maybe that's your next maybe that's your next course my next course you know what my daughter so my daughter's in high school and she's like dad you got to be on tiktok do you know jimmy that 71% 71% of all financial advice teenagers learn on TikTok. We so are if I want t- we're
1: actually launching our cash flow tactics TikTok this week. No way. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> be dancing that. and talking about money.
2: No way. That's awesome, yeah. man. That's awesome. But so I you know, this is a passion project. I think
1: you and me are gonna figure this out. And I know Brad and Ryan are in, but like the more I think about it, I'm just getting like These kids got to know about this. It's too much fun not to know about.
2: Right. No, it's, it's, well, it's two things. It's fun. It's exciting. It gives them hope and opportunity, right? There's all these things that come out of that. It, It gives them a reason to be excited about opportunities that are out there. I mean, heck, I was just with my own son who's in college and, He's telling me all the downer drab things. And, and this is my kid, right? I mean, I'm right. pretty, I, I got a library. My kids have seen the books I read. They know my philosophies of life. I'm pretty pro liberty, pro opportunity, pro freedom. And um, man, it bums me out a little bit to see that. But don't, you know, do they have like an instinct that
1: they, hey, maybe this professor's full of crap? Um, Where is that? Like, I always thought my professors were full of it. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna smile. I'm gonna get my my B here, and then I know after this semester, you have to leave me alone. But I, I will play your game to get your piece of paper.
2: Yeah, you, d- you know what the difference is, Jimmy? I think you're street smart, and I think there's a emphasis for people to be book smart is celebrated, right? You know, degrees, grades, whatever. Where street smart is, where everybody's successful in life, right? People, you know, a there's guy like gotta Elon- be kids out there who are hustlers just playing the game here. That I'm sure they're out there. I'm
1: sure they're out there. They're I just, just not on TikTok.
2: <laughs> that maybe they're hustling. Maybe they're maybe they're out working and they're hustling. They're not screwing around on TikTok.
1: Yeah. Well, so we are going to crack that nut eventually. But Scott, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate all the value to give to the
2: group. And
1: then, you know, I always enjoy when we get a chance
2: to chat. Uh, Jimmy, it's always great. I, I I will tell you, you know, cash flow tactics and um, you know, you, you, Brian, you, Ryan, Brad. And then you, the three of you guys, you all are so different, right? You have different styles and different strengths, but what's cool is you guys all bring so much stinking value. You know, when Brad tax geeks out, right, it, it's awesome, right? When you talk plain and, and authentic, it's awesome. When Ryan talks about living a life today, right, and, that, and stepping into your future self today, not pushing it out. It's just a, it's it's just awesome. So I'm I'm very very grateful to uh, Cashflow Tactics and uh, you know all that you guys have done and and some, been some great relationships and great friendships. We've you guys have built a really cool group of authentic people um, where everybody's moving forward and growing and we're all kind of one hand up and we're one hand back helping other people behind us. Awesome. Well, thank you for everything, Scott. And thanks for your time. Thank you, man.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become financially free in 10 years or less? Well then join us in our private Facebook group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom and it's the only place you can see the actual results of
1: people on their path to financial freedom, learn what's working and interact as a
0: community dedicated to becoming financially free. When you join, you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area. This training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free and it will fast track your results. This is the only place you get access to this exclusive content. So be sure to join us in the Facebook group now. Just go to
1: CashfulTactics.com forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Cashflow Tactics to join.
0: I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.